I sang a little bit too hard in worship. I don't know if you ever do that. And I'm like, <coughs> I'm like, I'm <coughs> having a hard time. But um, yeah, anyways, last week, Rich kicked us off on our Built on the Rock series, um, which is really exciting. And if you haven't started reading the 21 days of scripture with us, um, I would encourage you to jump on board with that. That has been, um, so over and on the resource table, there's, I brought one up just to show you. There's these notebooks. If you don't have one, go ahead and grab one. And in there, um, well, they're journals. And in there is a bookmark that has like 21 scriptures. So we, as a body of believers, have been going through these scriptures, one for each day. So today we're on day seven. And um, so you could start today or you could start Monday on day eight. And this is like, it's just been so encouraging to be on the same page with everyone. Um, I know like I've gotten texts from people and I've sent out texts to people and just been talking in conversation like, oh, what what like stuck out to you from this day and what stuck out to you from this day? Um, and even got like encouraging words for our community as a whole. Um, so yeah, really encourage you if you haven't joined in on that, do it. It's going to be like a powerful next two weeks finishing that off. So um, I actually wanted to share really quick, though, from day one was super impactful to me. And I think even if you're just now joining us, go ahead and like go back at some point and read some of these verses. Uh, but day one, like just set us on a great trajectory. So we read from Joshua 1, 1 through 9, and verse 8 was really what stuck out to me. So verse 8 is, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Um, So this, like, I think being raised with parents who are believers, I was raised with, like, Christian values, um, whatever that means. But I think that can actually, like, make me really foolish sometimes because it's easy for me to be like, I have Christian values. Certainly, I know the will of God, right? Um, But this verse was like, hey, you're going to need to meditate day and night. And then it continues to word, after that, it uses the word careful. And it's like, after I've meditated day and night, I'm still going to have to be careful um, to follow, like, everything written in this book. So I thought that was humbling and also encouraging. Like, okay, I got to be intentional with scripture reading and really, like, be looking at these things and applying it to my life. Um, So that's my soapbox for the 21 days of prayer. Seriously, get on it. It's been, like, really, really impactful to me, and I know it's going to be impactful to you. Um, But to get us started this morning, I actually just wanted to put up, I have some cheesy quotes up here um, for us, and if you're one of these people who, like, really likes these things, and you put them on your Instagram, like, I'm not judging you, I just, they're just cringy, okay, but it's okay, I don't dislike you, Um, but yeah, it's, the best view comes after the hardest climb, And, oh, what is, shoot for the moon. Even if you fail, you'll land among the stars. But, like, my favorite of all these, you could go on and on. Um, Like, things I see often is you can't pour from an empty cup. And I say favorite ironically. Um, I like it, though, because it's, like, it has a biblical principle in there, right? And actually, a lot of these, like, positive quotes, they kind of have some biblical truth in there. Um... But every time I see this on, like, social media, without fail, it's instantly followed by, like, 
some like self-care, like self-love prescription. So it's like if you do this spa day or if you do this like 15-minute yoga routine, like your cup is going to be filled again. And I'm like, okay, wait. The whole premise of the cup is that like you can't give what you don't have. But now like with 15 minutes of yoga, I can like refill my cup. I just, it doesn't compute, right? So, um, but I think that society does this a lot. I think that like culture in part believes biblical truths and they believe like God's word. But we can't like, we can't just believe in part, right? We have to believe in whole. Um, So in order to be separate from the world, we're going to have to be disciples of the word. Um, And not just adhere, like I said before, to like Christian values or like unspecific, like religious kindness. You know, have you ever been the person, I have been this person, or have you ever been around a person who's like, I'm religious or like I'm spiritual? That's a really big buzzword right now. And I'm like, what does that mean? You're spiritual? Like, does that mean you just believe you have a spirit? Like, that's, that doesn't give me any insight into, like, what, where your truth and where your values actually stand. Um, so, yeah, we, we're going to have to be disciples of the word. And the Bible says that Jesus was actually the word made into flesh. flesh. So if we want to follow Jesus, our ability to follow him is actually going to be directly correlated to our willingness to read and apply scripture. Um, Hebrews 1.3 says, He, the Son, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So I really, really like this translation. Um, some of the translations are a little bit different, but I chose this one because it actually gives us a key insight into why God's word is so powerful. He upholds the universe not by the power of his word, but by the word of his power. God's words aren't just powerful. You could say of me, like, Bailey, you spoke powerful words. But, like, in reality, we know that that means not everything I said was powerful. Like, some is more, some is less. A lot of it is just, like, frantic filler words. Um, But with God, his power is actually made manifest into his words. His words are the living vessel of his power. This is really critical to our understanding of the word because scripture is going to impact us in a different way than any other knowledge can. Um, I can read like positive quotes, you know, I can post the cup as you can't fill up your own cup or whatever on Instagram. And I may feel momentarily better, but when I read the power or when I read the word, I actually encounter God's power in real time and in real life. And because the word is the manifestation of his power, I am then empowered to live out what it tells me to do. Um, There's a supernatural encouragement and activation of my spirit when I read the word. So just to give you like a really practical example of this, the last few days I've been meeting with a couple of friends very early in the morning. We're up before the birds and the sun um, and we've been like reading scripture together and then we declare, like, declare scripture out, and then we pray together. And one of the scriptures we've been declaring the last few mornings is Philemon 1.6. Um, and we word it a little bit different, so that's a little more personal. But we say, the sharing of my faith will become effective 
because I acknowledge that every good thing that is in me is from Christ. So we can read God's word in the first person because it's not only a guide for how we should live, but it's actually a promise to our lives. And the rest of the day, so again, we've been declaring that exact phrase out, what I read. We've been declaring that out the last couple of days. And like the rest of the day, I'm just so, I'm so full of faith and I'm believing to like a higher degree. Okay, when I share what God is doing in my life, like this is effective. People are being influenced by it, like God is doing work through it. Um, So that's been like just a really practical way that I'm like, yes, the word is living and active and it holds power in it. Um, We will be told many, many different truths in our lifetime and the world desperately, desperately wants us to think that truth is relative. Um, You know, you could say, when does human life begin? Well, you know, it just depends. That depends, like, where the mom's at and where the baby's at, things like that. Um, People say, like, well, sex trafficking is for sure evil. At least most of society can agree on that. But um, as long as, like, you're a consenting adult, like, you can participate in certain aspects of it, right? Okay, I'm going to get back on a soapbox for just half a second. Porn and the sex trafficking industry are best friends. They, like, cannot and will not ever be separated there's no such thing as like consenting adults, okay? You may be consenting, but it's like, it's under a oppression and slavery to sin um, off of my soapbox. <laughs> but you know, there's these, there's these relative truths that society wants us to believe. But truth does not change with the culture. It doesn't change with your season of life or your age. Truth is not relative. Isaiah 48 says that the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. That's just so good. The word of our God endures forever. Truth does not change. There's a term um, that I'm sure many of us have heard before called confirmation bias, so hopefully this is a refresher to you. But if you haven't heard it before, Um, confirmation bias is essentially this idea that we will believe something, we'll have an opinion, and then even as we go and seek out truth on that thing, um, you will just find, you will find opinions and facts that make you believe your opinion you already had even stronger. Um, So it's this very interesting thing, and we can in large part think confirmation bias for being a reality because of the internet and one fun thing that the internet does is it learns all about you so when you're on your personal devices your cell phones your laptops um, like those cookies that we accept as we're like scrolling through websites those cookies are learning data on us and actually like when you go to google you know and search something my google search we could search the same questions on google and google's going to give me a different page than it will give you because it's going to point me towards things that it knows that i will like and agree with and purchase so that's very frightening but um yeah so this like compounds our confirmation bias right but um i knew i knew about this i knew that the internet did this And a couple of years ago, I was like, okay, I really, really want to learn about abortion. Um, I've been told it's wrong. I'm pretty sure I believe it's wrong. But, like, I need to know. This is a huge topic. 
it's going to affect me at some point in my life. So I got a laptop that, like, didn't have any of my personal info on it. And I just sat down one evening, and I was like, I am going to look up things in the most neutral way that I can, and I'm actually going to take a stance of, like, convince me to be pro-choice. I want to be convinced to be pro-choice. Um, and really, like, I, I truly did want to be convinced because if pro-choice is correct, if it's right, like, we're not killing humans, right? That would be an amazing thing. So um, I was very, very particular, very deliberate. Like, when I was searching, I didn't say, does abortion hurt babies? Because for two reasons, you can't say abortion and hurt in the same sentence, because else that'll lead you to pro-life stuff. And you can't say abortion and babies in the same sentence, because that will, then Google will, like, guess, oh, you believe that they're babies and not like just cells or fetuses. So it will also lead you to pro-life things. So I was very, very particular. Um, and really like with the best effort that I could, um, wanted to be like convinced of pro-choice. And as I like spent the evening learning about like the particulars of abortion procedures, how they're performed, I learned about like fetal development some. I'm by no means an expert, but I did the best that I could. Um, it became more and more obvious that these procedures were being performed not on cells, not on, like, fetuses as a, I don't know, like a lower term, but on human lives. Like, the science was showing me, I, I did study dietetics as a student, um, and I was a college student at this time, and so I was constantly reading and learning about the human body. I was like, these babies have brain waves like we have brain waves they react to stimuli like we react to stimuli like their very makeup and anatomy they have an individual dna like it's not when when a baby is conceived it's not like mom's dna and dad's dna it's a completely new dna set um so the science was actually pointing me towards the truth that i already believed in and psalms 139:13 says for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. It was the word, the scripture, that first taught me that God saw us as humans and image bearers in the womb. But in my search for truth, I found that reality was aligning with God's word. The word is ultimate authority, and the word is ultimate reality. And everything I learned that night confirmed that so much more for me. And since Jesus is king, not only of my heart, but over the nations, I realized that this truth in reality was going to have to be a moral authority in my personal decision making and also a moral authority over society at large. The idea of like, I'm, I'm not going to do this, but you can do it, like do your thing, I'll do my thing, like that's selfish. We have to take that thought and like throw it into the depths of hell, right? That's just not how we're called to live. Um, essentially, we might as well say, I want the best for myself, but if you want to hurt yourself, drink poison, like go for it. That's fine, doesn't bother me. And I say all this knowing that I can't obviously force anyone to choose God. I can't force anyone to choose his ways, but I want to love the world enough to at least present an opportunity. So back to this idea of confirmation bias. 
There's been many situations in my life, not just this last one, um, where God's word had really rooted itself um, into my heart and was like the base of my bias. Um, and it's really humorous to me. There's, there's like this atheistic school of thought um, that says, that like really claims to love science and truth, but also like in the same breath wants us to believe that they have the most unbiased opinions on morality because they are uninfluenced by religion, right? And this is humorous because if you know anything about science, science teaches us that you can't be free of bias. Like, it's impossible. Um, like I said before, I studied dietetics. I was always reading uh, research during my undergraduate degree. And every research piece, every published research piece I ever read, always leaves ambiguity. It never says, like, this for sure works, this for sure doesn't work. It always says statistically significant. And the reason they put that in there is because they know, like, hey, this research is good, but there's a chance that our biases literally made all of this information false. There's a chance, there's a 100% chance, or not 100% chance, but, you know, there's, like, a chance that we could get to the end of this and in 10 years learn that everything we studied, even though it looked great and it seemed to be working, was completely wrong. Um, so the scientific method itself says that we have to have a bias, which, so, yeah, just the humor in that of, like, the, the group of people who say they love science the most is telling us that there is no bias. So with that, like, don't we want our bias aligned with the creator of the universe? Like, if I believe, and I do, that God is, God was the singular creator of the universe, and that he actually spoke the world into existence. His words were powerful enough to create existence, right? Um, and I was thinking about this this morning, like, I could stand up here and say, like, okay, let there be an apple. And that would be cool. That would be really cool if an apple appeared in my hand. But it's, it's even more than that, right? Like God said, let there be light, but light wasn't a thing yet until he had said it. So it would be like if I stood up here and said, let there be an apple, and the first apple ever appeared on my hand. Like how mind-blowing would that be, you know? Um, so his words, his words create reality. And that means to me that they're obviously going to have some wisdom for my, like, much smaller troubles in life. But also God's word can create realities in my life, can change the realities of my life. So there will be parts of God's word, as I say this too, there's going to be parts of God's word that aren't always exciting and that aren't always like, woo, yay, God. Um, things that God will call us to do that are going to be harder than others. So we must eagerly desire the truth because it won't always be easy. And unlike the positive quotes and like the Instagram inspiration and things like that, there will be parts of the truth that are going to be painful and might even leave us weeping. When the church first heard the good news of Jesus Christ, they did not celebrate. Acts 2.37 says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? God's word can bring pain because it will expose our brokenness and address the areas of our life that we would rather keep hidden. 
it will require us to live a different way. But his burden is light, and there will be growing pains. But I promise you, we will walk lighter and with greater joy. James 1.21 says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. So what must we first do? First, we have got to come to the word humbly. This is like my personal guarantee. You can say later, Bailey told me, she guaranteed it to me. There's going to be challenges, and there is going to be pain with truth. So we're going to have to come with a humble heart. Um, The Bible tells us to come like a child to God. So we come with questions. Come like okay, God, there's things that I think, things that I, I think I know, but I'm going to set them aside and just pretend like, not pretend, but like, I know nothing. Teach me for the first time. And then I can go back, and everything that I thought I know, if it's not aligning, I'll just throw those other things out. Sometimes I'm waking up in the morning, I'm like, look, God, I'm struggling. Like, things have not been great. Obviously, I'm doing things my own way. I just need you to offend me today. Because the things I've been doing, they're not working out. But past that initial sting, I know there's going to be freedom on the other side. Secondly, we're going to have to relay our foundation. Um, Like I said before, there's ways that I operate, things that I believe that just don't align to God's word. So day by day, I'm doing the hard work. I'm actually having to pick up the foundation I've laid down. Sometimes i got to take a jackhammer to that thing. I'm having to pick up my old ways, throw them out to relay a foundation down. Um, Revisiting our theme verses for this message series, Luke 6, 46 through 49. God says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell And the ruin of that house was great. So a few years ago, um, I was actually, I was reading in Matthew, and I came upon this verse, and I'm just going to paraphrase it for us. But essentially, you you might be familiar, uh, the verse says, if you're going to lay down a gift at the altar, like as a sign of worship, and you remember that your brother has an offense against you, don't lay down your gift, go to your brother, reconcile with him, and come back to the altar, and then worship me, lay down your gift. So I was like, yes, God, this is so good. Like, I want to live my life in good relationship with people. Like, to the best of my ability, I want to be in good relationship with others. And I know that you care about that. Um, but when you're laying a foundation, there's, there's a drying period. And concrete is most soft right at the beginning, right? Like, it's wet. It's pourable. That's how you get it in there. Um, But the cool thing that you might not have known about concrete is it actually gets harder and harder the longer it's there. So like a 50-year-old foundation is actually harder than a 25-year-old foundation. 
So hopefully that's a little bit of encouragement to us. It's like, okay, if I, let, if I lay down this foundation, it's going to get harder and harder and harder. Um, but right in those first couple of days, there's this drying period, as I said. And you can like seriously mess up a foundation during that drying period. Um, you could go and walk around in it. You can like throw dirt on it and leaves and junk. Um, you can even take a shovel and shovel it out of there and like dig up the whole foundation and throw it out. So back to my story. So I've, I have this verse and I'm like, yes, God, I want this to be like a foundation of my life. Um, and I'm at church service here at Bluemont and we're worshiping and singing songs one day. And like all of a sudden, it was like a gut punch. I remembered a friend that I had unforgiveness towards. And like, I kid you not, I just knew I, I can't sing a single more word until I forgive this friend. So for the rest of worship, I got down on my knees and just forgave this friend, just prayed and forgave them and asked God, like, God, give me forgiveness. Even if I don't want to, even if it's hard, like I, I can't sing a single word to you until I forgive this friend. Um, and man, it was just, it was a powerful time, and it allowed that foundation that I had set down to dry undisturbed. And now I can stand on that, I can stand on that piece. And it's not always easy, but I know the more I do it and the more I stand on it, the harder and harder it's going to get over time. So we're going to have to relay our foundation. Lastly, we will need to live as if the word is truth. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So I'm going to read the scripture. I'm going to speak scripture out to others. And I'm even going to sing scripture. Um, I like worship music probably just as much as the next Christian, but um, it definitely isn't like my favorite genre, but I by far listen to it the most because it helps me to root these fundamental truths in my life. It's the little things that we can do that help us root these, that help us lay our foundation, dwell richly in the word. So my challenge to you this week is to find one way you are going to live out the scripture as truth. Maybe it's like the story with the friend where something's already on your heart, like, you know, I just got to do this. I just got to get down on my knees and not take another step, not say another word until I do this thing. Or maybe you need to go on a truth-seeking mission because there is no lack of topics, no lack of things going on in the world, no lack of like areas in our life where we could go on a truth-seeking mission and really ask God, like, what do you say about these things? Um, and I know Brendan already said it, but Kingdom University, guys, maybe you sign up for Kingdom University this week. Like, that is a truth-seeking mission. I don't know if anyone loves talking about politics. That's not true. There's a couple of people. But like, at some point, even if you love talking about politics, at some point, the conversation gets a little uncomfortable, right? But we have to be people who pursue and love truth, even if it's uncomfortable. So that's all I have for us. Um, I'm believing with you guys. I'm going to be doing it also. And let's go out and do it this week.